Bible often talks about the important role of Babylon in the last days. Is this Babylon developing before us now? Find out on today's episode of A View from the Wall. Join I Am A Watchman Ministries Managing Editor Joe Kerr with co-host Dylan Burroughs, bringing you a fascinating discussion regarding the importance of Bible prophecy and Christian living today as it relates to our responsibility as believers to be watchmen. This is A View From The Wall. Welcome to A View From The Wall. This is Dylan Burroughs here today with co-host Joseph Kerr, and we have an important program for you today. Revelation speaks of a future time when ancient Babylon will serve as a strategic location during the tribulation. With today's unrest in the Middle East, many have questions about Babylon's identity and role in our modern world. To answer, we are joined by pastor and prophecy expert Dr. Andy Woods. In addition to serving as pastor of Sugarland Bible Church in Texas, Dr. Woods is the president of Chafer Theological Seminary, a popular conference speaker, and author of numerous books on the end times. Dr. Woods, welcome to A View from the Wall. Hey guys, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, we are honored to have you with us, and we're going to dive right in. One thing people wonder about is the identity of Babylon itself. It's interesting to see all the views that have happened over the years that have been developed. So we'll begin with that. So share with our viewers, what are some of the common views on what Babylon is in the Bible in the last days? And what do you believe is the most likely view from your research? Well, you know, concerning some common views out there, a lot of people believe it's a religious system which I have a problem with because Revelation 17, verse 18, calls it a city. Some people believe it's Jerusalem because it's called, Babylon is called a harlot. And that's the way Jerusalem, you know, wayward Jerusalem is portrayed in scripture. Uh, I have a problem with that because sometimes Gentile cities are called harlots, like Nineveh is called a harlot in the book of Nahum, chapter 3, verse 4. And Tyre, a Gentile city, is called a harlot in Isaiah 23, verse 17. Probably the most common view out there is that Babylon equals Rome. And people think that because of the seven hills referenced there in Revelation 17, verse 9. Um, I have a problem with that because, I mean, there's a lot of problems I have with it, but when you just follow it through to verse 10, uh, you'll see that they're not seven hills, they're seven mountains. Um, And beyond that, the seven mountains are identified as seven kings, you know, or kingdoms. So uh, kind of dispensing with some of these other views, the, the view that I believe is that Babylon equals Babylon. And the word Babylon is used 300 times in the Bible. It always means Babylon. And so why wouldn't it mean that in Revelation 17 and 18, especially since the book of Revelation is sort of summarizing, you know, everything else in the Bible. Uh, Why would the book of Revelation all of a sudden pour some foreign meaning into the word? So for all of that, all that being said, I think, You know, the best view is that Babylon equals Babylon. 
that's where we are in the end, Dr. Woods. But let's let's take it back to the beginning a little bit. We don't have all Hebrew scholars who listen. Wouldn't that be great? But we do have a lot of folks who understand Bible history to some extent. So for those who may not or those who want to know a little more, give us some background on Babylon, because that's why it's important in the last days is because of how important it was first time around. Give us a little bit of background. Well, I mean, Babylon, uh, it starts in Genesis 10 with Nimrod, you know, the builder of the Tower of Babel. And he was building a tower, you know, in in the land of Shinar, which is modern day, um, the Greeks call it Mesopotamia, between the rivers, between the Euphrates and the Tigris, but it's modern day Iraq. And so, as Solomon said in the book of Ecclesiastes, you know, what has been will be again. And Bible prophecy, when you look at Zechariah 5, verse 11, you know, the woman led out of the basket, and she goes to her place in the end times, it specifically says that she's going to build a house or a temple in Shinar, which was the exact same location that Nimrod was building the Tower of Babel. So with all of that being said, I kind of look at Babylon as the bookends of the prophetic bookends of history. You know, what has been will be again. And the background of Genesis 11, factoring in, you know, some other prophecies helps you understand that God has a very special role for that part of the world in the end time, just like it had a special role uh, at, at the beginning of God's program. Well, that's a good way to put it. But for a lot of people who are listening, you might as well talk about Middle Earth when you're talking about Babylon. This is so foreign to the everyday American. Help people to understand what this is going to be about during this tribulation time. Why is it vital? What will take place? What is the significance of Babylon when we get into these last days prophecies from Revelation? Well, you know, the bottom line is when you get to Revelation 16, verse 19, and it talks there about the seventh bowl judgment. And it's very clear that when that seventh bowl judgment is poured out, Babylon is going to be destroyed. So obviously that can't happen if taken at face value unless Babylon exists. And so the listeners or the readers of the book of Revelation at that point might want to know more about Babylon, and that's why John, you know, gives us that sort of excursus there, where he um, gives us two full chapters on Babylon, the city of Babylon. I think it's the same city in both chapters. Revelation 17 is bringing out the religious side of the city, and Revelation 18 is bringing out the commercial side of the city, but it's a description there of how Babylon is going to be destroyed in that seventh bowl judgment. And the moment that happens, numerous Old Testament prophecies will be fulfilled. Um, Without a literal Babylon, those prophecies could never be fulfilled. So that's sort of the big picture on how it's all going to work out in the end times. Well, you give us kind of a hint about what's going to happen to Babylon in the end in Revelation 17. What happened to the first city of Babylon? Uh, The first city of Babylon. Well, if you mean by the first city of Babylon, uh, Babylon being overthrown, you know, by the Medes and the Persians back in Daniel chapter 5, I don't think that 
Isaiah's prophecies nor Jeremiah's prophecies were fulfilled at that point. Uh, there was actually no war when that Babylon of, of ancient past was overthrown based on the historical sources, you know, that we have. So if God means what he says and says what he means and Babylon has to be overthrown cataclysmically, you know, just like the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, according to Isaiah 13 and 14, then Babylon has to come back to life so that it can be cataclysmically overthrown. And that's what the seventh bowl judgment, you know, is all about. You've been listening to Dr. Andy Woods with A View from the Wall. Stick with us. We'll be right back with more after this break. From I Am a Watchman Ministries, here's today's I Am a Watchman Minute. In 1 Corinthians 15, we read that victory is promised, but it's not because of our wisdom or strength. Jesus is the victor. We stand in His strength. We share in His victory. 2 Chronicles 20.15 reads, Do not fear or be dismayed, for the battle is not yours, but God's. This is good news, for it means that it's not up to you. God wants you to do your part and promises to do His. What does God expect from watchmen on the front lines? God is looking for purity, not perfection. He's looking for service over strength. He's looking for character over competence, activity over ability, and wisdom over wealth. Give God your best. Trust in Him, and you will live well and finish well for His glory. Be bold, be faithful, be a watchman. I am a watchman.com. Welcome back to A View from the Wall as we continue our discussion with Dr. Andy Woods on the significance of Babylon in the last days. We want to take a closer look at some of the scriptures and some of the meaning even of the word Babylon and Babel. Dr. Woods, even the name Babel is significant in the Hebrew. Talk a little bit about its meaning and what was the purpose of the city originally and how it, it kind of connects with what we see in the last days prophecies about it. Well, the name Babylon um, is actually a compound word in Hebrew, you know, meaning two words, making up a single word. And people will recognize the word El as in Elohim, which means God or gods. And that's connected with the word, uh, well, we were pronouncing it as Bab, but it's uh, the word gate. And so Babylon literally means gateway to the gods, or gateway to God. And I guess the key thing to understand from that name is that it was actually a city and a tower, so it had a physical meaning, but it also was very religious. It was both political and religious, and it was literally um, man's attempt, the attempt of Nimrod. Nimrod, by the way, in Hebrew means revolt or rebel, and it was basically uh, Nimrod and his cohorts' attempt to uh, to build so, a so-called stairway to heaven, <laughs> and I would call it um, works righteousness, where they were trying to kind of create a ladder uh, to get up to God. And we know biblically that the God of the Bible rejects works righteousness, Isaiah chapter sixty-four, verse six. And there's actually a reference to this in the writings of Josephus, 
where he says Nimrod was basically trying to build a tower so high that if God should ever choose to flood the earth again, uh, he would be he and his civilization would be protected from it. So the bottom line with Babylon is it was man's attempt at a new world order, which basically means a one world system of economics, politics, and religion that excludes a knowledge of the true God. And it was coming together in a particular uh, geophysical political place in Shinar. And God, as we know from the story there in Genesis 11, the historical account disrupted the language so the builders couldn't cooperate. And God stopped the building project dead in its tracks. And so Satan, you know, has always wanted to get that system back. And apparently he's going to get it back in the events of the tribulation period. There's a great parallel there, because if Nimrod sent himself up as the one who would overthrow God, so to speak, who would stand up against God, who would who would be the one that would finally be the resistance, um, that parallels somebody that's going to be there during the tribulation period. Talk a little bit about that parallel. Well, you know, as as I mentioned a little earlier, Solomon said what has been, you know, will be again. You know, there's nothing new under the sun. History is cyclical. And Nimrod actually furnishes probably the best prefigurement of the Antichrist um, that you find in the whole Bible. You know, most people, when they try to find a type or a prefigurement for the Antichrist, they usually go to Antiochus, who desecrated the temple during the intertestamental period, or they like to go to Titus of Rome, you know, who destroyed the Jewish city and sanctuary in AD 70. But I think the best type or prefigurement of the Antichrist is Nimrod, because he was going directly against God's decree to spread out over the earth, Genesis 9, verse 1. And he was trying, trying to build a project that excludes God, that controls the entire uh, known earth at the time. And God miraculously intervened. And we know that once the restrainer is removed, Second Thessalonians 2, verses 6 and 7, uh, the Antichrist will come forward, and he'll do the exact same thing in the exact same part of the world. And uh, if it's not for the intervention of God, once again, the Antichrist would succeed. So truly what has been will be again, and Solomon was indeed wise when he wrote that. One thing that people are interested in is where things stand with the city of Babylon today. Back in ancient times, it was considered one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Uh, but today it's not quite the same. Talk a little bit about where this fits in terms of where we are at the last days now. Is this a city that has to be developed before the rapture when Jesus returns for his people? Does it happen uh, after this? Is there some on each side of the rapture? How does this fit with the chronology of the end times we see in the Bible? Well, the only thing I know is that it has to be functioning um, so that it can be overthrown with bold judgment number seven. So how it's built, when it's built, you know, we're just not given a lot of details about that in the scripture. I mean, I, I would assume that it could be built this side of the rapture, but we don't know that. And the truth of the matter is we don't even know if there's a gap of time in between the rapture 
and the beginning of the 70th week of Daniel through the peace treaty that the Antichrist will make with unbelieving Israel. It's kind of interesting that when you go back in time and look at older commentators like Bollinger and Clarence Larkin, they argue that there could be a gap of 20 to 50 years in between the rapture and the beginning of the tribulation period. Now, they didn't know that for sure either, but there's lots of scenarios in place where either Babylon could be built very quickly, this side of the rapture. Uh, We think of the United Arab Emirates and the city of Dubai in that part of the world, which was built very fast. We think of the city of Chicago that was rebuilt very quickly following the Chicago fire. We think of the city of Neom in Saudi Arabia, um, which is was built very quickly. I mean, that's a possibility. Or another possibility is the rapture will occur, and there's a unknown gap of time, and Babylon could be rebuilt uh, or rebuilt in that interval. Um, all of that is guesswork. I just know it's got to, according to Bible prophecy, it's got to be up and running uh, by the time we get to the seventh bowl judgment. Well, this is certainly an important issue, and we see some parallels, of course, with the temple in, in Jerusalem itself. It will be rebuilt in the last days, as the scriptures talk about in Bible prophecy as well. So there are lots of things that will happen. And as you say, the Bible doesn't give us all those details, but it does describe it as a literal place. So it must be functioning during that time. And we're going to talk more about this in a moment. So stick with us. We'll be back for more after this break on A View in the Wall. Jesus is coming again in an event known as the rapture. You may be ready, but are your friends and family spiritually prepared for the coming of the Lord? We've created a new resource to help you help them. It's called the Rapture Kit. Rapture Kits are designed to help believers reach out to those lost before the rapture and provide spiritual and practical information for those still here afterwards. Included in the Rapture Kit is a wealth of information on what the rapture is and how to prepare for what is to come. The Rapture Kit also includes several Bibles, eBooks, audio and video sermons on prophecy, apologetics, the Christian walk and discipleship material, all preloaded on a 32 gigabyte flash drive. Warn the lost about the coming rapture and help individuals in the post-rapture world be drawn to Christ, equipping them to become the next generation of Christ followers and ministry leaders. Learn more and order at rapturekit.org. Welcome back to A View from the Wall. As we continue our discussion today with Dr. Andy Woods, we want to focus on some applications in this segment, but we also want to talk a little bit about something that comes up a lot in this discussion. Dr. Woods, you make an interesting case that perhaps the UN, the United Nations, could be relocated to a new Babylon. So many world policies hinge on UN support or they're reduced by UN sanctions in some way. How would their role change if the U.N. were to be in Babylon and no longer in New York as it is today? Well, it's interesting. You know, in my my book coming out, um, Babylon, uh, the Prophetic Bookends of History, I do quote an article. uh, And in the article, there's a couple of professors from the Army War College basically arguing that, you know, if you ever wanted to relocate the U.N. out of New York, Babylon, you know, would be a great place for it to go. And 
you know, it's kind of interesting that most of the world's oil supply is in that area and some of the surrounding countries. And we had the recent uh, Iraq crisis in that part of the world. And, you know, you kind of look at all of these geopolitical factors and, you know, Babylon would be kind of a logical place for the U.N. to relocate. Um, How would the objectives of the U.N. change if they made that switch from New York to Iraq? Um, I don't think there would be too much of a change for this reason. I think the U.N. is basically a globalist, anti-American institution anyway. Whether they're being anti-American here or abroad, (laughs) uh, they're going to just keep pursuing the same policies because, you know, they are what they are. Um, so I'm not sure there'd be too much of a radical change in policy, but it is interesting to think about how logical of a move it would be from New York to um, Iraq. Given their hatred for Israel, the UN's hatred for Israel and every sanction and, and thing that they pass down, that would fit as well, for sure. You go into a lot of these details, and you were very kind to send us an advanced copy of the book that you're working on. Tell people about the book, when it'll be out, and how they can get a copy. Well, we're hoping it's going to be out within a couple of weeks, but the book basically is a Bible study. It's designed to reach people that are sort of on the fence concerning the issue of Babylon, and so it it takes you, just like we did in this program, it starts you at the beginning of the Bible, Genesis 11, then it takes you to Isaiah 13 and 14, then Zechariah chapter 5, verses 5 through 11, and then from there it gets into the sixth um, trumpet judgment and the sixth bowl judgment and shows you how those judgments relate to Babylon on the Euphrates. And then finally it takes you into Revelation 17 and 18, uh, where those are the two major chapters that talk about Babylon's role in the end times. And from there, it takes you into the alternative views that we went through a little earlier on Babylon and why I think they're inadequate. And then it takes you into current events and how the world stage is being set for a, uh, a re-advent, I guess I could, could say, of the Tower of Babel or Babylon in the end times and how it's a key part of God's end time program. And people can get the book at uh, Dispensational Publishing House, that's my publisher, or they can get it from my website, andywoodsministries.org, or they can get it from Amazon, and it'll be available you know, in printed form and Kindle uh, ebook form as well. And this is certainly not your first book. You've had several others. We want to encourage our listeners to check out at andywoodsministries.org. You can check out The Middle East Meltdown, The Coming Islamic Invasion of Israel, There's a book called The Coming Kingdom that talks about the kingdom of God that's often misunderstood. You have one called The Falling Away, The Spiritual Departure of the Physical Rapture, where you look at 2 Thessalonians 2, 3, and there are others as well. So this is really one of the top people that I recommend when it comes to last day's issues. I certainly want to encourage you to check out andywoodsministries.org. As we come to uh, near our conclusion today with you, Dr. Woods, one thing we want to do is take a moment to encourage those watchmen and watchwomen who are listening today. We have many who are warning, witnessing, and seeking to live and finish well in these last days. What could you say to help encourage and challenge our watchmen today? Well, I would encourage them with 1 John chapter 3, you know, verses 2 and 3 
which says, you know, and everyone who has this hope fixed on him, uh, interrupting for a second, I mean, what hope are we talking about? It's talking about the second advent of Jesus. I believe that's a reference there, more specifically to the rapture. But it goes on and it says, everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself even as he, he is pure. And the more time we spend contemplating the fact that any moment Jesus can return and potentially supernaturally uh, interrupt our lifespans, um, the more you think about that via the rapture, the more we prioritize correctly in this life because we want to be living for the things that count and not you know, caught up in worldly things, which Jesus can pull us out of at any minute. So if you're a sign watcher and interested in the rapture, interested in prophecy, interested in these subjects, I would just encourage you with that verse and keep doing what you're doing because it has a, a natural effect on the progressive sanctification of the Christian. Dr. Woods, it's always good to have you on A View from the Wall. Thanks for coming back. Do us a favor, wrap up the show with a word of prayer, just over the audience, over those who are interested in Bible prophecy, and maybe those who are listening for the first time don't understand all of what this means, but they want to know. Okay, well, thank you for that privilege. Um, Lord, I just um, want to lift up anybody out there, Lord, um, does not know you personally. Um, we would just ask that this Holy Spirit, even as I am praying, would convict them of what John 16, verses 7 through 11 says, that the Spirit would convict people of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And goes on there, and it defines sin because they do not believe. And so we just pray as we hold out today the crucified Savior and the resurrected Savior and the soon-returning Savior, that people would be convicted of their sin of unbelief and place their trust or their faith completely and totally in Jesus Christ for their eternity and for the safekeeping of their soul. And we lift up all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And thanks again, Dr. Woods, for joining us today. And those who are listening, we want to thank you for being with us here on A View from the Wall. We want to encourage you to go to andywoodsministries.org for more on his ministry or join us at iamawatchman.com. Again, that's iamawatchman.com. We appreciate your prayers and support and look forward to joining you again next time on A View from the Wall. A View from the Wall, in association with I Am a Watchman Ministries, exists to equip a worldwide audience with biblical truth, sharing it with others, and being prepared for Christ's imminent return. The team seeks to encourage, inspire, and equip watchmen for such a time as this. For information about the ministry and upcoming events, visit IamAWatchman.com. A View from the Wall is made possible by the team of dedicated pastors, editors, and the many contributors of I Am A Watchman Ministries. To support our efforts, give online at IamAWatchman.com and click on the Donate button. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time on A View from the Wall. <music>